Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, I want you to go back and think about your greatest moments of freedom in life. What would they have been for you, those greatest moments of freedom that you've had? I'll give you some examples. Uh, Maybe... It was the first time that you got your license. Remember that feeling? No more mum or dad sitting in the passenger seat telling you how to drive. It was that moment in which you could just cut loose. Uh, For me, dad had a a V8 Holden station wagon. So uh, for a young man, 17 years of age with V8 power, it was a moment of freedom. It was just, it was an amazing time. Uh, Maybe for some of you, it was the first time that you moved out of home and you moved in with a flatmate and you it was just that feeling of I'm free (laughs) maybe you traveled overseas uh, you had some time to yourself you were just free Uh, for me it was probably as a young boy uh, where uh, my dad had once asked me uh, Sam what what is heaven like what is heaven like And my response to him was, well, heaven is being able to go to the fridge and pour your own juice. (laughs) Heaven is freedom. It's freedom. And wouldn't you agree that there is something in all of our hearts and all throughout history. I think of William Wallace in that movie Braveheart screaming, freedom. There's this sense in which freedom is a yearning of the human heart. It's just part of something that is built into us. It's one of the greatest yearnings of the freedom of uh, the one of the greatest yearnings of the human heart. However, however, it's also one of the greatest objections that people have with Christianity. And the objection goes like this: truth isn't Christianity restrictive. I see this all the time as a pastor. Uh, Over the years, people say, I like the concept of Jesus. I like the concept of God. I like the concept of the nice community that you've got going on here. But what have I got to give up? You know, have I got to stop smoking? Uh, Are there things? What have have I got to give up? Christianity seems so restrictive. I think part of the reason that people think like that is that people don't have the nuanced view of freedom that we want to talk about this morning. Freedom from a worldly perspective, a non-Christian perspective is what I call freedom according to the Rolling Stones. Uh, Didn't they put it so well that I'm free to do whatever I want any old time? That's what the Rolling Stones said. So love me, hold me, love me, hold me. But I'm free any old time to get what I want. Right? That's freedom. I want to be in relationship. I want to be in community. But I just want to get whatever it is that I want at whatever time that I want it. Freedom from a worldly perspective, wouldn't you agree, always seems to come across as I'm only free unless I'm free of any restrictions on me. So long as people don't tell me what to do. It sounds archaic, but uh, for you to come in and tell me that there's some ultimate truths that I have to hold to, get out of here. It restricts me. (laughs) But And so I think the nuance of it is, on one hand, we don't want to have any restrictions on ourselves, and yet we live in a society, whether you're a believer or not, that is only free because of some of the restrictions that we've got. Case study, like at a simple level, I'm so thankful that people are not free to drive in whatever lane they want to when I cross the Harbour Bridge. Aren't you glad of that? (laughs) 
I'm glad that people don't have a freedom and they have to drive under the little lane with the green arrow, not the X one. At a more nuanced level societally, I'm really thankful that people aren't free to um, abuse the innocent and children and that there's serious laws and penalties against the mistreatment of other people, that genocide's wrong, that murder is wrong. And can I, can I put it to you, when we use these sorts of case studies, whether you are a believer or not, if I push you hard enough, you, I, I would dare to say that you live in the sort of society and with the type of view of society that says that you are thankful that there are some moral absolutes in this world, right? And so which way is it? <laughs> I mean, you don't want any restrictions, but we'll live by the moral absolutes that kind of apply. And I think at the nuance level in our postmodern world, as we call it, the way that we do this is, it's, it's what I call the you do you boo principle. You do you boo. We live in a you do you boo world. In other words, like there can be moral absolutes, but you choose the ones that you want to live by. You choose the ones that apply to you. You, you be your source of truth and then you can be free. And I'm like, come on, let's be fair about it. There are some absolutes and restrictions that you like to live by. And I think that's where it takes us to the nuance of the Christian definition of freedom. And the Christian definition of freedom is not the absence of restrictions, but finding the right restrictions for your life. The restrictions for which you were built. There was a young boy and uh, he really wanted a dog. He really wanted a dog, but the parents didn't want all the hair and all the junk going around the house. And so they bought him a fish. And they came back a day later and said, Johnny, how's your pet going? And Johnny said, it was great. I played with the fish and I pulled him out of the tank and put a leash on him. And after a while, he just stopped flapping around. Fish are built for water. Fish are only fully free when they're restricted by water. And so my question this morning then is, what is the fish tank for the human life? Have you ever thought of that? I'm sure you haven't probably thought that. I bet you woke up Sunday morning going, what is the fish tank for the human life? <laughs> what I mean by that is, is there a context for which the human life is built in the same way that a fish is built for water? And Jesus gives us an insight into this in John's gospel. Chapter 8, he says, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, we're Abraham's descendants and we've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in a family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And so when Jesus says, if you hold to my truth, if you restrict yourself, he's hinting at the fact that there is a deeper freedom here, something that is different from the world's perspective. And until you move into that place, you're not going to find the freedom that he is alluding to. And so what is freedom from a Christian perspective? I always describe it as this. Christian, Christian freedom is a freedom from and a freedom for. It's freedom from and it's freedom for. It's freedom from self-slavery and it's a freedom for the purpose for which you were built. First of all, it's a freedom from self-slavery. Verse 34, Jesus replies, Very I tr- truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. 
Now, that sounds old school. And just the classic Christian cliched talk. Slave to sin. Uh, what do you mean, you know, slave to sin? I'm not a slave to sin, I'm free. That sounds archaic. That's what the Jews were saying in this passage. But here's what I think he's getting at. Have, have you ever been in the, and I'm not going to ask you to admit it, but have you ever been in those life situations where there are things in your life that you know that you should not be doing and are wrong and you don't like doing them and yet you keep going back and doing them anyway? <laughs> no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you pray, and no matter how hard you go to church and do all the right things, there's this sense in which we keep going back to this stuff and this junk in our lives and it happens over and over again. And if that's you, I would say you're not alone and it's biblical <laughs> because there's this uh, amazing passage in Numbers which tells the history of the Israelites when they were uh, seeking their freedom out of slavery from Egypt and they've been set free, they've done the miraculous thing through the Red Sea and Moses has led them to freedom and they're wandering around the desert, they're looking for the promised land and then Moses overhears them in the camp and he overhears them moaning about the fact that they have to eat all of this stuff called manna all the time and he overhears people saying, oh my goodness, if only we could just go back to Egypt and eat some fish. <laughs> Verse 4, the rabble with them began to crave other food. The Israelites started traveling and said, if only we had meat to eat, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Now, anyone who read it, reads this goes, you, you, you idiots, you're crazy. Egypt is slavery. Why, why would you want to go back and do that? They were slaughtering your children. They were whipping you. They were using you as forced, forced labor. Yeah, but they had good fish. I think that struggle is always my struggle, that there are things that I know in my life that are not good for me, and oh, if only I could go back to that, if only I could go back and do that, and I come to realize that I might be free from external restrictions, but I'm not free on the inside. You sense this? It's the slavery of self-slavery, of sin, because sin, as I'm always saying, is not good deeds versus bad deeds, and we've just been through the idolatry series. Sin is not a list of do's and don'ts in the Bibles and thou's and thou shalt nots. Sin is a power. Sin is idolatry. Sin is the worship of something other than God. There is a sense in which um, our desire to be God drags us back into this form of self-slavery. And Jesus says, I want to set you free from that. I want to bring you out from underneath that. The, the Bible says that sin's just not an action. It's a power that radiates into your life. You know, Marie Curie wonderful scientist she eventually died in all of all of her amazing work with radiation because the damaging effects of the radiation weren't known to her at the time and she's playing with this stuff and it eventually kills her and so i guess the question for us this morning is how can we be sure that the things that we're playing with that are not of god aren't radiating us from the inside it's killing us from the inside more practically every time you lie Every time you harbour bitterness, every time you withhold forgiveness, every time you advance your cause out of self-interest, you're radiating yourself. More importantly, every time you do that, you're shackling yourself to a form of self-slavery and Jesus says, I want to set you free from that. I want to bring you out from that. And so Jesus says, first and foremost, my restrictions, my truth over your life is a freedom from this self-slavery of having to run the world by yourself. Have you ever thought of that? I've thought of that. 
I thought, if I've got to run the world by myself, you know what? It could be fun, but it's exhausting. Because <laughs> right? I'm not God, and I don't know. And so I want freedom from that self-slavery. But also, freedom's not just freedom from, but freedom for. If the Son sets you free, then you are really free, says Jesus. And how do we get that? Verse 31. He says, if you hold on to my teaching, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The myth of the world is that freedom is the absence of restrictions. And Jesus says, no, true freedom comes when you place my restrictions of my teaching onto your life. This is what I call you know, freedom according to Ben Lexon. Any of you over 30s know who Ben Lexon is? Yeah, there we go. We've got a few. What's he famous for up the back there? The winged keel. Thank you, Dave, Nick, gold star from the pastor uh, for you this morning. In fact, I've got scratch and sniff stickers. Is that good? Yeah. <laughs> the winged keel. The winged keel in 1983. The winged keel won the America's Cup for Bondi's team and the Australian team. And eventually it was our, our historic victory that we had. Here's the description of it. Each wing of this keel underneath the yacht acts as a winglet, effectively doubling the keel aspect ratio and reducing lift-induced drag because the yacht is heeled over when sailing upward and the leeward foil is closer to the vertical and provides additional side force, reducing the leeway angle, hence making it the boat sail upwind and more efficiently. You got that? <laughs> what is this? What is that? It's a truth. It's a restrictive truth. It's a discovered truth. It was a discovered truth that in having this wind killer, it was a system of truth, a design, a reality. It's not relative. Doesn't change based on how the skipper's feeling. Oh, should we crack out the wind kill or not today? It's a truth that that conform to the environment for which it was made in the most perfect of ways. And when that truth is held to, the yacht goes more efficiently, more speedily, more beautifully through the water than if it didn't. It experiences a greater freedom because it restricts itself to the purposes for which it was built. So, question, what's the winged kill for your life? What's the set of laws? What's the truth? Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching. If you hold to my teaching. Now, on another side note, if Alan Bond's crew decided to drag that yacht up the middle of George Street on its winged keel, would it operate as wonderfully and as beautifully? Of course not. Freedom for a yacht is not sailing wherever it wants to sail. A yacht can't sail up George Street. Freedom is not the absence of restrictions, but finding the context for which it was built. What is the context for which you are built? What are the universal realities? What are the universal truths to make your life run smoother and faster and more efficiently? Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, if you hold to my truths, if you restrict yourselves to my truth. And so that's the freedom for you are built for this. And the choice that's ahead of you this morning is simply this. You can see yourself as a sailboat this morning. Out in the open, nothing but horizon. I go wherever I want to go, I'm just going to sail, I'm just going to float. <laughs> or you can see yourself as a sailboat with a winged keel, grounded 
restricted by something that understands the context for which we are built. Guys, we've got to recognize you are designed for a purpose and there is a context in which you work best and that context is the rule and the love of God. And when we know the truth, says Jesus, what he's really saying to you is, come and learn and understand and know your design. I designed the human life to work in such a way, uh, the same way that the guys discovered how the winged keel works at the bottom of a, of a yacht. There are ways to do life that, frankly, is not more religious, but just easier. <laughs> it's just easier not harboring forgiveness. It's just easier not going sleeping around with whoever you, you want. It's just easier committing to a rhythm of focus on God. These, these are not religious things in the scriptures that are there to make your life unfun. <laughs> They're there because Jesus knows this is the best way to live the human life. But look, it's not enough to know the systems of freedom, but you've got to hold on to them. Jesus says, hold on to my teaching. It means you've got to obey his teaching. And to allow Jesus and his teachings to cut across your will, that's what obedience means, to allow someone or something to cut across your will. What it means practically, it was like that this morning. You allowed that to happen this morning. The alarm goes off. There was everything within you that said, oh, just another hour's more sleep. But you said, no, I, I will wake I will rise. There's a word to be had at Northside this morning. I will be here. There's a life changing. And, and so you, you allow your alarm clock or your commitment to whatever you're doing in this place to cut across your will in order to move into something that is better for you. What, why would you do that? As much as it feels right to sleep in, you know that there are just some things that even though it doesn't feel right at the time, you just do it because it's better for you. And that's what it means to hold to his teaching. <laughs> As much as it doesn't feel right at the time, you hold to his teaching. And crazily, some of you know this because I've said this before. Some of you even pay people for this ridiculous process. They're called personal trainers. And you actually pay people to cut across your will. You pay them good money to cut across your will, to do things that don't feel good at the time that lead you to a greater freedom, strength, movement, liberation. Come on. We've seen The Biggest Loser. We've seen those programs. We've seen the way it all works. If you witness people restricting themselves with what they eat and what they do and how they exercise in order to move into a deeper freedom, if it's true physically, why would it not be true spiritually? Particularly when that's what Jesus is saying to us this morning. And so I simply ask you this morning, are you willing to give Jesus the same power that you'd give your personal trainer? or your accountant, or your lawyer. And more importantly, if you have a God that tells you what you think is right, and if you have a God that tells you what you want to hear, and if you have a God that never offends you, and you, if you have a God that never irks you, and if you have a God that never contradicts you, and if you have a God that never cuts your will, let me ask you the question, who's the real God in the relationship? <laughs> Hold... To my teaching, says Jesus, and that truth will set you free. Here's the objection. Isn't Christianity restrictive? Answer, yeah, of course it is. Along with everything else in life, all other restrictions in life, road laws, criminal laws, driving laws, 
piano scales, gym programs. Of course, yes, it's restrictive along all the other things in life that we've discovered, many of you, when you restrict yourselves, lead to a greater freedom. Because freedom, true freedom, is not the absence of restrictions, but finding the right restrictions and applying them to your life. So as we close, here's the irony. You know what? I'm free to go to the fridge and pour as much juice as I want these days. That's the thing about being an adult. I'm an adult now, and I can pour as much juice as I want in the fridge. And you know what? I've had moments where I've poured a lot of juice in my life. <laughs> Both practically and metaphorically. And I know that you've done that also. And I know that you've also had juice and life hangovers when you've binged on too much juice. And I know that you've had those moments on life when we've taken the good things and we've had too much of it. Come on, you know that to restrict yourself in some areas of life leads to the greater freedom. And if you're willing to do that, can I say to you please this morning, don't count Christianity out because you think it's restrictive. Lots of good things are restrictive. But only this one. When you restrict yourself to him in the person of Jesus Christ, won't make you a slave. It'll make you a kid of the kingdom. It'll set you free. Let's pray. Father, I pray for those that need freedom from this morning. Those who are in cycles of their life. Those cycles of things that I've rattled off this morning, whether it be bitterness, unforgiveness whether there is addiction in their life this morning that they're grappling with, Lord, I pray your precious freedom over, your, over their life. I pray that through the guidance and the leading of your Holy Spirit, you would take them into places of liberation. Father, for so many of us, we pray that phrase that the Apostle Paul says, the things I want to do, I'm, I'm not doing, and the things I am doing, I don't want to do. I pray for those that are in that space this morning and I would ask, Lord, that your spirit leads them out of that place. I pray also for the people at the other end of the spectrum that need to understand their freedom for this morning. People who feel listless. People who feel like a yacht being blown around the ocean of life without a keel. People who don't feel they've got a direction. People who are wondering what the purpose and the meaning of their life is. Lord, I would ask that you would meet them in due time, in that space in which they would come to recognize the purpose that they can have in you. Lord, for those of us that know all too well these ups and downs and realities of the Christian life, we simply pray this morning that you would help us to, to hold to your teaching, to allow you to cut across our will, Lord Jesus. And in so doing, we entrust you with our lives and hopefully... You will lead us into those greater places of freedom, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.